0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu
1: slash podcast.
2: You're listening to Raising Curious Learners, a podcast from Britannica for Parents, where we talk to experts and discuss issues and trends in child development, education, and parenting. I'm Elizabeth Romansky from Britannica for Parents, and today I'm talking with my colleague Anne Gadzikowski. She is our Director of Early Learning and is an expert in technology and early childhood education. And Anne, I wanted to kind of start with asking you about how children engage with smart speakers and AI assistants like Google or Amazon Alexa or even Siri. Yeah, I think what is so interesting
1: about these voice technologies is that they're so easy to use because you don't need to type anything, you don't need to use a mouse, you don't even need to touch the screen. So children who are really young, who are not yet reading and writing, they can just um, speak to the speaker or to the smartphone, and they're engaging with technology in really interesting ways. Oh. Play my favorite song. So, there are so many opportunities then to think about the child's experience, to think about the family's experience using these devices. And parents have a lot of questions about whether it's safe, about whether it's, it's healthy for children, whether children will learn from these experiences. So, I've been really interested in learning more about it too.
2: Yeah. And I, I think one thing that could kind of help with our our listeners is, you know, there are so many different smart speakers and AI assistants out there. And I guess, could you kind of explain a little bit more of, you know, what are the sort of tools and devices that we are talking about today?
1: So the artificially intelligent assistants are the technologies that are listening to us and answering our questions. And you can find those in your smartphone or you can engage with those assistants through smart speakers. So when we're talking about smart speakers, we're usually talking about the devices that are in our homes, the ones that we use to um, turn on our lights or set the thermostat or play music.
2: Even just those that they're so prevalent, and I don't think everyone kind of realizes how prevalent they are. And you know, I saw on the New York Times, um, I think it was a couple months back that they reported that Over one in four U.S. adults had a smart speaker in their their household. So when you think of just how common that is, I mean, now we're talking about how kids are almost inevitably going to interact with a smart speaker at some point in their early childhood.
1: And we talk about the Internet of Things, which include, you know, the lights and the the music and the turning the oven off and all those kinds of things. I think children growing up today are going to become really familiar and comfortable with using these kinds of technologies.
2: Well, and that kind of begs the question of what, you know, what the benefits are or even the downsides of having kids talk talk to these smart speakers and AI assistants. And I wonder how much research is out there about that. Yeah. And there isn't a lot of research yet there are some
1: researchers who are starting to look at how children engage with voice technologies and smart speakers. Um, And one of them is Sylvia Lovato from Northwestern University. She's done a couple of studies where she looked at how children engage with smart speakers. And she was um, especially curious about how children ask questions when they're talking to a smart speaker. As that technology improves, I think we're gonna see more and more Um, researchers take an interest in really looking at what does this tell us about children, about child development, what what are we going to learn about how children understand technology, their critical thinking around the uses of technology, Um, is it going to change family dynamics, you know, when children are able to talk to electronic devices instead of people then what will that mean? Will that change things about the families? I think there are a lot of really interesting questions. Um, and we'll keep watching the research and see, see what they mm-hmm. can tell us.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point of children, maybe not being able to articulate as well. I mean, even as simple as, as something as they lost a tooth, you know, like that causes their speech to be quite different because like you said, not only young children, but even adults, um, I've had the same issue where the device doesn't recognize a question. And I can see that that kind of could be frustrating for a kid as they're trying to ask a question or have it do a command and the device doesn't quite understand what they're saying. I mean, how many times does a kid have to try and ask before they kind of give up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The good news is that the device is very patient. So the child can ask the same question over and over and over again, and the device won't get tired of that. Mm
2: -hmm. The child
1: might get tired of it, but the device won't get tired of it. The other issue, not just how the children pronounce the words, but the questions that they're asking. So Sylvia's research showed that the younger children asked more how and why kinds of questions. Why does the the sun shine? Or how are pillows made? Or um, why does that light switch turn on? But often the, um, the smart speaker wasn't able to answer those because they were worded in a way that was it was too broad, or it, um, they just didn't, weren't able to um, interpret the question in a way that a that a computer can search for that information. So one of the things that happens as children get older is they begin to understand the capabilities of these devices, and they learn to phrase the questions in ways that they can get good information back again. But that takes practice, and that takes time, and younger children just aren't ready to do that yet. So there are other issues with being understood that go beyond just the articulation or the pronunciation of the words. But there is some interesting work going on. Um, Sylvia Lovato is a researcher. um, She did a lot of work at Northwestern University and she studied how children ask questions of smart speakers. And we had a chance to talk to her the other day, and we learned a lot about um, the questions that children ask and some of the different kinds of um, opportunities that children have to engage with these technologies. So my name is uh,
0: Silvia Lovato and I uh, come originally from journalism and and therefore that's where the origin of my fascination with information and information seeking probably comes from. I worked after um, graduating from college and working in a newspaper for a little while. I um, moved here to the U.S. I'm originally from Brazil, so if you detect an accent, that's where it's from. And I did a master's uh, where I was studying media literacy and media education and how like I was very interested in this intersection between media and understanding how it's all put together and where information comes from. And then after that, I worked for PBS for about 14 years um, in the PBS kids department doing digital work, so working with developers of games and other activities So when voice technology came along, I was really fascinated by what that meant for younger children who are unable to read and write, but who have lots and lots of questions. And this sort of starts, I mean, preschoolers ask a lot of questions and they may not be able to articulate them well enough for the current versions of the voice assistants to understand, but um, this development I think continues. And once they learn to read, you know, that might have a bit of an impact in how they phrase things because they are exposed to different kinds of language. And that's something that fascinates me. And I hope I can continue to study it. So I was interested in what would happen if we gave children a smart speaker um, and what what kinds of questions they would choose to ask, what they really what they would do with it and how they would think about it. And In order to uh, make it easier for me to compare the children, like between ages, especially, I was interested in an evolution. I chose families who, to that point, had not had a smart speaker in their home before. So these were all families who are new to smart speakers, but all of them had smartphones. So they already had some access to voice agents. They knew about Siri, and they knew, some of them knew about the Google Assistant, and also some of the children already used. Uh, Voice to text search in uh, the search fields in Google and YouTube. Like you can touch the mic icon and say something, and it will transcribe it for you.
1: So let's let's talk about what you um, learned from your research and the kinds of questions that children asked the smart speakers in your study. So um, tell us about the types of questions they ask, because I think you saw some trends and um, different yes. kinds of questions.
0: Um, so this is fascinating, and I could talk about it for a really long time. But what I, first, I want to say that not every, iterate, not every utterance or every interaction with the smart speakers were questions. I was only interested in the questions, so I sort of discarded everything else. But the questions, if you look at the whole uh, age range, like the 5 to 8 age range, questions were about 50% maybe a little bit under 50%, and all the other interactions were like requests to play music, to pause, volume up, volume down, you know, uh, things like that, that weren't requests for information, but just commands. So science and technology was a category that encompassed not only questions about animals, but also questions about how things work in the world or how things are made. And that was a big category. And then there was another category that was also very large called culture and culture was everything that's sort of man-made and it includes things like uh, pop culture you know things about television shows or about games like who made angry birds or um who is the president for example that is something that's part of our society our politics uh things about public figures so that was all in, in culture and then um practical questions came next and those were questions about uh, what time is it? Or what's the weather? Things like that. And um, that was probably information to be used like right then for a purpose. And then next after that came questions about the agent itself. So when kids were asking, how old are you? You know, where, where are you from? Uh, who's your daddy? Um, what does your mom do? Things like that. They would ask the Google Assistant that. So those were questions that were coded about uh, the agent. What's that? What, what, what I am wearing.
1: They don't make clothes for me. But some of these questions are kind of funny. Um, what did you find funny or interesting or surprising?
0: Uh, I thought it was interesting that the younger children, if you compare the the five and six year olds to the seven and eights, and And more or less, I gave them a reading assessment in the beginning, and I I saw that that kind of matches, like the younger kids, of course, read less than the older kids. And the the younger kids were more likely to ask questions about science and technology, which are questions about the world around them, and less uh, uh, likely to ask about TV shows or pop culture in general. And the older kids were the opposite. They asked more about pop culture. Um, I thought that was interesting because I think younger kids still have that curiosity about the world that, like, they ask adults usually, you know, why is this, why does this work? Why does it rain? Why is the sky blue? Why, why this and why that? And so I, I thought it was interesting that that came through in the data.
2: Echo, what is the weather today?
1: Right now in Chicago... It's 33 degrees Fahrenheit with mostly cloudy skies. Today's forecast has intermittent clouds. So what did you discover about the challenges children encountered in getting answers that they could use? The challenges
0: in, that the children faced in the in saying the questions there were things like uh, just phrasing or speaking fluently so they And I think adults would have, this is the other thing, there isn't a whole lot about adults interacting with smart speakers out there either, but I think adults would have similar difficulties. It's about starting to say something and not really knowing where you're going and then changing your mind in the middle and, you know, saying it in a way that makes it harder that a person could understand because a person would know where you stopped and started, but the device didn't. One thing that I remember, for example, anecdotally, was there was a a six-year-old who was trying to ask about the most recent snowstorm uh, close to where he lived. And he, instead of saying most recent, he said the closest or the nearest. And so Google was trying to say, okay, the nearest snowstorm to you was, you know, like looking at uh, geographic distance and not uh, time distance. And he had, like, he kept repeating. He, he tried to rephrase that many, many times until an adult came next to him and said, and asked, like, are you trying to say the closest or the most recent? And he's, oh, the most recent. And so they need help. Like, and, and this was a six year old. Uh, of course, the older children are more able to rephrase it on their own, like, just try again in a different way. They, I, I found that they were persistent, and again, this is anecdotally, I haven't counted this uh, uh, formally. I found that most children were persistent, and other studies have also found that, that they are persistent. Uh, they are forgiving of the machine, usually, and they are persistent. But the younger children tended to repeat the same thing again and again, rather than trying to rephrase it. What's that? Do you poo, poo, or
2: pee-pee?
1: Thanks for telling me. And I know this wasn't part of your um, formal research. You weren't looking at children's understanding of what a smart speaker is. But were you able to draw any conclusions about what the children understood about the device and how it worked? Yes. Yeah, so I, I was very interested in this,
0: and I had I based on another study that had been done a few years before by uh, someone named Druga, uh, Stefani, Stefania Druga, I think is her name. She had done a small exploratory study with uh, groups of children. This all happened at the same time, and they were looking at Alexa, and they were also looking at perhaps Siri and a, a couple of toys that included voice interaction. And she had her the, the children rate the devices between, like if they thought the voices were friendly or unfriendly, smart or not smart and a a number of other things. And so I I took that idea and I expanded it to include things like trustworthiness and safety. Like, do you think it's safe or unsafe to talk to this device and to understand if they were uh, alive, if the children thought they were alive or not alive? And um, the younger children tended to think of the device as... Uh, more alive. So they tended to think that there was a person on the other side. And when asked uh, how they thought that the device knew the answer to the question, they often refer to, to human characteristics. So things, uh, for example, Google is a very smart lady. She sits in a room and she reads lots of books. Or she would, uh, they would say, um, Google uh, can look it up on its phone, Like it has a phone, and it was like, Oh, so it has a phone. And the child said, Yes, you just can't see the hands, but it it has a phone. So they were, of course, trying to figure this out.
1: So if you were talking to a parent who has um, children in this age range, say they have children between the ages of even three and eight or nine, um, and they were asking you, I don't know if I should get a smart speaker, I don't know if there's any benefit to my children to have a smart speaker in the house. What would you say? How would you advise them?
0: I think a smart speaker is a device very much like other connected electronic devices. It really is all about how you use it. Uh, so it can be beneficial if you use it for, for good things. And it, it, I don't see exactly how it can be harmful. Does, anything that's connected to the internet is something that you, you would be careful with a young child around it, right? But I would say one fear that I hear a lot from people is smart speakers will make children rude because they're able to make requests of the smart speaker without saying please. And I would say children are smart enough to see the difference between a person and a smart speaker. And I think that they know uh, very quickly, they they learn that they can't get away with talking to a person without saying please. It's not the same. Um, So I, I don't know that that Um, bears. I I haven't heard of any studies that have found that in their data. I found very little rudeness in my data. I found that some of the older siblings, and it wasn't a, a lot about being rude to the speaker itself. It was more about asking rude questions that could be considered rude. For example, asking the speaker to translate, oh, how do you say your mom is dumb in French or something like that? So it's really insulting to the mom, not
1: to the speaker that was just (laughs) asking for a translation. But it also sounds like from what you're saying and, you know, anecdotally from what we've been hearing and reading, that voice technologies allow younger children, you know, pre-readers or beginning readers to access information and knowledge that they might not ordinarily have easy access to.
0: It could be a game changer, yes. And I did see in some of the families, there were patterns like, and I interviewed the, the children and the parents at the end to debrief on what their experience was. And there was one family where the mom told me that the, the preschooler, the five-year-old would ask a lot of questions. And sometimes she was busy. She was making dinner or she was otherwise, you know, occupied. And she would say, I don't know, ask Google. So she would refer the child to Google as a helper to, to get, help get, uh, get her, her daughter the answers that she wanted. So that I think can work. And, she, and this was all in the same environment. So the mom was right there. It was a question that she would have ordinarily looked up herself. But she, she didn't know the answer off the top of her head. And having the voice assistant present allowed the child to do the looking up herself um, and this was a, a, a child who was fascinated with zombies, and she asked a lot of questions about zombies. <laughs> Why do zombies eat people? <laughs> and
1: <laughs> I'm sure
0: the mom was like, oh, I don't know.
2: <laughs> Why do not like pumpkins when, when they do not eat them?
0: Sorry, I'm not sure.
2: Do you
1: think it's possible that um, That when a child engages with a smart speaker that they actually learn to ask better questions?
0: I was interested in that. That was something, that was one of my original research questions, and I didn't leave the smart speaker in the homes long enough to see that evolve. Uh, I think it would be great to have a study that looked at a longer period, perhaps a few months, to to try to track that, uh, because it is at least I don't know if I would say better questions, but at least questions that are better suited for the smart speaker or like really understanding what the smart speaker is good at versus not so good at. Um, That was something that the older children already had, right? For example, an eight-year-old, he and his mom were telling me that he knew that the smart speaker wouldn't be able to answer questions that were about people and relationships. For example, he had a classmate that was disturbing the class and he would talk to his mom about that and ask like, why do you think he's acting that way? Uh, Why do people act that way? He didn't consider asking the smart speaker that, like he knew that that was a question that was better suited for his mom. But on the other hand, he would ask many questions about Minecraft. (laughs) like, How do I build this thing in Minecraft or like other, Minecraft related questions.
2: So, a child's
1: understanding of technology and what it can do could become clearer and more developed through their experience interacting with a smart speaker? I think so. And I wouldn't say that it would be, that would
0: evolve faster with a smart speaker than just interacting with any other technology. Maybe kids who are fluent in in doing searches online and just doing a Google search by typing or by using the mic feature, um, maybe that use will also teach them. You know what are the things that Google is good at answering, and that could extend to the smart speaker. But because the smart speaker doesn't require reading, maybe children could develop that sooner. That would be really interesting to research.
2: What's the worst world?
1: Twirls is a form of the noun swirl, which means a swirling movement. Whirl, eddy. And I also wonder whether there might be opportunities in the future, and maybe this is already happening, for children's engagement with smart speakers to help them with their speech and language development. Because even as an adult, sometimes I'm not speaking clearly enough for Siri to understand what I'm saying. And I have to slow it down and I have to articulate you know, the beginning and the end of the word really clearly. And I'm wondering if there's benefits for children um, who are learning to speak clearly to be able to interact with a smart speaker, especially because they can have a really repetitive experience without a human growing tired of that
0: interaction. Yes. There was a famous article that appeared, I think, in the New York Times of, uh, that was written by a mother of an autistic a 13-year-old boy, and this was about Siri. And she mentioned exactly that, that Siri was endlessly patient with her son and that Siri would just answer the same question over and over and over without growing tired. So she was grateful.
1: Were there examples, Sylvia, of children um, expressing affection? or feeling like the device was a friend? There are some. So there were two kids
0: who both were eight years old. One uh, was very upset when I came to pick up the device and was sort of protective of the device and kind of almost crying or whining and saying, you know, you can't take the Google away. You can't can't take the Google away. So. I tried to explain to him that, you know, his mother had an Android phone who also has the Google assistant in it and that he could talk to the Google assistant in his mother's phone. Or, you know, if the family chose, they could use the, the, I gave the families a a compensation that was about the same uh, value as the device. So if they were really in love with it, they could go and buy a new one. Uh, And he he just wouldn't uh, believe me. He thought that that particular device knew him uh, better and that he would have to start from scratch with a new one. And then there was also an example of a, an eight-year-old girl who had expected Google to be her friend and was very disappointed that it didn't, especially that it didn't react to her to the emotional tone in her voice. So if she came home from school and wanted to talk, she would try to you know, talk to Google. Uh, and this only lasted for a couple of days, and then her use dropped off tremendously after that. Uh, where she would say like, yeah, I have, I had the bad day. And she sounded disappointed and she thought that the voice didn't react to that at all. It was always its usual, you know, sort of cheery self and say, how can I help? Or, you know, it was just being the Google assistant <laughs> and saying like, can yeah. I find information?
2: There was no empathy.
0: Yeah. So it, she, it had no empathy and she was upset. So after that, there were only a few requests for the weather, or they she, but she explained why that she wanted the device to be her friend. And she thought it was very cold.
1: Sylvia, this has been so great talking to you and hearing about your research. This is really fascinating. Um, Did you have any final thoughts or conclusions that you wanted to share with us?
0: Um, Just reiterating that there's still so much to be studied and so much more that we can do uh, to understand how children relate to this technology that I, I hope Myself, but also others will have the opportunity to follow up on this research. And I wanted to say thank you for asking these questions. As any researcher will tell you, we are so excited to talk about our research, and we don't always find people who are as interested as we are in it. So thank you for asking all the questions.
2: One thing, and that I I did find very fascinating about what Sylvia was talking about is the relationship with some of the kids and their speakers. You know, I guess I was hearing her research and assuming that some of these kids would develop a very strong attachment to them, and it sounded like it was more isolated cases. It wasn't every child that she had a research part with, but it did seem like there were cases where the kids. Kind of became very fond of the smart speaker, and I think she you know she even mentioned how one child felt that that speaker specifically knew him more, and that no other speaker would have that kind of understanding of who he was yeah, and I find that really interesting because I
1: think the the younger the child, at least my experience working with really young children like preschool age children, the younger the child, the more likely they are to develop a relationship with um, technology. You know, you think about children with their teddy bears, like they know that the teddy bear is a toy, and yet they become so fond of it and they wanna hold it and they wanna hug it. So if they're talking to a voice, and, you know, Siri and Alexa and Google, they have these very pleasant, friendly voices, it seems really natural and normal that the child would develop an attachment in some ways to these devices and at least um, enjoy talking to them and be curious about them and, you know, imagine that they're a person that they
2: are talking to. But I wonder now, all of these smart speakers are readily accessible to kids. And so she gave some good takeaways, but I think it's important to kind of remind our audience of what are some tips that we can provide parents for having their kids Interact with smart speakers in the house. I think one of the pieces of advice that really
1: sounded wise to me was encouraging parents to think of that smart speaker as you would think of any of the devices in your household, your tablet or your laptop. And you're going to have some kind of rules or structures around that for your family. There are probably certain times and places that those devices can be used. Think of the smart speaker as another device. Think of it as one of many options for your child's day and making sure that they, they have opportunities to play and to socialize and to run around and get physical activity. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is about balance.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. So what are some of the opportunities that smart speakers provide for kids? You know, I think that there
1: are a lot of learning opportunities when children engage with smart speakers. For one thing, they have access to all this great information. If they have a question about an animal or about electricity, they can um, access that without having to type or use a mouse. So mm-hmm. that's great. But I also believe that anytime time a child is using language. They are learning because mm-hmm. they're learning vocabulary. they're learning to ask good questions. they're learning to pronounce and articulate words. So um, I think that there are a lot of benefits from children having the experience of talking to smart speakers, especially when the parents are facilitating those conversations.:
2: As you play down that. Not watching. I don't play Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. play Daniel
1: Tiger's Neighborhood. Shuffling songs by Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood on Amazon Music. So, for really young children who may be a little bit frustrated because the smart speaker isn't understanding their questions. I think that's a great opportunity for the parents and other family members to model the correct and clear pronunciations. So our our little friend who wanted the smart speaker to play Daniel Tiger, and she Mm -hmm. wasn't able to be understood by the smart speaker, that would be a great opportunity for the family to practice saying Daniel Tiger. How do you say Daniel Tiger? And you can slow down the speech and you can... Um, articulate those consonants and the vowels, and that's that's a great experience for the child to learn language and also to learn the forms of language. You learn about the the sounds in the word you learn about different um, letters and the sounds that they make when you're slowing down speech like that. Mm-hmm. so I think there are a lot of great benefits from just practicing speaking and listening to yourself speak and listening to your family members talk and you know. One of the things that I think is kind of um, delightful about these artificially intelligent assistants
2: is they allow us to play with language in funny ways yeah. Well, even even something as simple as asking the the device kind of what a certain animal sounds like. I mean, there are so many animals that, you know, children know of through books or even shows and they'll say like, oh, you know, Alexa, what does a hippo sound like? And typically they'll be that speaker will be able to pull from all this database online of an actual audio clip of that animal and how they sound. Hey, Google. What does a hippo sound like?
0: This is a hippopotamus.
2: Thanks for listening to today's episode of Raising Curious Learners. We hope you'll tune in to our next episode. We'd like to thank today's guest, Sylvia Lovato, for speaking with us. Today's hosts for Raising Curious Learners were Elizabeth Romanski and Anne Gadzikowski. This program is copyrighted by Encyclopedia Britannica Incorporated, all rights reserved.
0: Jump into Pepper's world of play.
2: Look for spring flowers. Hunt for muddy puddles. And bravely explore exciting places with Pepper play sets. Pepper Pig.
0: Inspiring kid confidence.